Hi, my name is Lloyd Sarbutt, and this podcast is brought to you by Liberia, a bookshop by Second Home. In this episode, I welcome Brazilian writer and editor Emilio Freire, who has been selected by Granta magazine as one of the best Brazilian writers of his generation, and is the first Brazilian writer to be translated into English for the New Yorker magazine. We are also joined by Zoe Perry, whose translation of Emilio's third book, Sevastopol, has been published by Lolly Editions. Sevastopol features three distinct yet subtly connected stories about the crucial turning points in a person's life, which explore yearning and loss, obsession and madness, failure and desire. I hope you enjoy it. joining me this evening um to kick it off um i can i ask um sorry emilio uh, how did you get to uh work together on this translation i know we just touched on it in the green room but um yeah it sounded like a brilliant story so let's let's kick off there yeah um so uh it was i guess it was october of 2018 yeah um, Emilio's publisher in Brazil got in touch with me to ask if I would translate a sample, uh, which in this case would be one of the three stories in the book. And so I did that. And then I know that it was taken to New York to show to several publishers, um, including the New Yorker. Um, and then the New Yorker said that they really liked the story, um, but it was just slightly too long for them to publish. Um, and so then I translated the third of the three stories. Um, and so Emilio were having a, a conversation about this last week or the week before when I was saying it was kind of a, an unusual way to translate a book because a lot of times you'll be approached by a publisher. They'll give you a deadline, which if you're lucky is like six months, but sometimes it's like three months. Um, and then you just sort of do the whole thing all in one go. But I feel like this book has sort of been in my head for a few years now. And I almost did, it was like a very slow process, which was a real luxury uh, in translation. So everything kind of got to marinate uh, for a while while I was working on them. Um, so that was that was good. And that, um, that process of translation over time and having the dialogue with, uh, with Emilio, um, how does the story change if you're sitting with it for so long? Um, I, I guess that's a question for both of you. Um, I mean, I think a lot of translators will tell you that um, the moment that you decide a translation is, is finished is always sort of a difficult decision. Um, so I think ideally for any translation, you would be able to translate something, feel pretty happy with it actually, but still be able to put it aside, just slip it away in a drawer for a while. It's for you to be able to come back later on. And it's amazing how many things you'll end up changing. Um, and it's not, wasn't quite as good as you thought it had been. <laughs> um, so that was quite nice. <laughs> um, and then also because these three stories do have subtle links and sort of commonalities among them. Um, so it was kind of nice to sort of work on them individually, but then gradually see them as a whole um, and sort of be able to put those things back in. 
was nice. And when you, when you um, were noticing the, uh, the commonalities and maybe um, the motifs, I think um, like there's the mountain. Um, it seems like a really subtle one, but the first story in Sebastopol is, uh, is about uh, Mount Everest and um, the, uh, the, the conquest of, and uh, I don't really want to give too much away, but um, kind of confronting that memory and history. Um, but then in the later part, there's um, just a small reference to a painting on the wall of a mountain. Um, are these things that you, when you recognize them, that you, you start to think, what is their significance? Or do you just go straight forward with the, the translation as it is and not cast too much of an interpretation? Um. So I guess the other thing is that because I, when I was first sent the story to translate as a sample, I wasn't sent the entire book. They just sent me that one story. Um, and that's the middle story. So I didn't start it even at the beginning. And so for sure, when I did that story, I wasn't even expecting things like that to, to repeat in the other stories. <laughs> so I do think that when I did the second story, I was like, oh, wait a minute. Oh, I see what he's doing here. This is interesting. Um, so, yeah, at first, definitely not. Uh, but I do remember being pretty excited about it when I realized what was going on. <laughs> oh, cool. Brilliant. And um, Emilio, for you, as, as an author, um, to see a work translated um, like this over a long period of time with um, kind of reworking and um, development, um, what, what is the experience like for you as the author? Do you... Um, get to reconsider your work or see it in a new light? Yeah, uh, first of all, uh, Lloyd, um, I think it's very common here, editors claim that short stories are harder to sell. And so, um, and even though I'd like people to read Sevastopol uh, or at least think about Sebastopol um, as a novel, a kind of weird novel. Uh, Sebastopol is a short story uh, book and, and it's a book with three stories. And so um, my Brazilian editor, we, we, we thought, oh, we, we, will, we will not uh, be translated uh, because it's very difficult for a Brazilian writer. Uh, it's a weird um, book. So my Brazilian editor um, thought, oh, we, we have to send um, one of these stories for a magazine like New Yorker or um, so. And it happens in English speaking uh, countries and everywhere, like um, publishers everywhere. I'm, I'm a publisher in Brazil uh, also. So and short stories are very harder and to the market. I don't, I don't know, but uh, it's true. And so, um, and then we uh, started this translation and the, the work with, uh, with Zoe and that I, I, I um, um, uh, my, my, my Brazilian publishing uh, house asked if Zoe uh, uh, would be interested in, um, in translating one of these stories and well, uh, for me, uh, it, it, it was when I uh, read, when, when we started to work together, uh, it was amazing. In, and, and look, and, and, and it, it was the first time ever 
a Brazilian author was published in the New Yorker. That's a very scary uh, thing. And so, I don't know, it, it was a very uh, special uh, experience for me uh, to read, um, reading the, 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 the book and the stories in, in English. And Zoe's, uh, I, I, think, I, I think the book's better in, in English because <laughs> Zoe, Zoe is, uh, is so good and so um, fantastic translator. And my commas are very, um, I think they are better in English. And, <laughs> Because well, well, it, 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 and 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 it took it took like because um, we started this in two, 2018, yeah. and then two thousand nineteen, one year for each yeah. one. Yeah, because the third one, um, I had applied for a residency at Banff um, in Canada. And I was just like, this is going to be so perfect. I'm going to translate the mountain story in the mountains. And um, of course, pandemic happened, and that was all canceled. <laughs> so I translated it from my flat. But <laughs> but the intention was there. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> and um, the um, the story that you ended up translating for the New Yorker, um, it seems to have gone through a lot of iterations. Um, so uh, reading uh, the story in Sebastopol. Uh, uh, published by Lolly is different to the one that you see in the New Yorker, which um, seems to have um, differences to the one in Granta. Um, you can see similar characters. Um, so how, how do you choose? Yeah, the story in Granta, um, uh, the story that I, I published in Granta is a kind of draft of the second part of Sevastopol. It's almost the same story. I was not very happy with uh, this story, so I came back to it and and I, I tried to use uh, some elements that I like it and create another thing. Well, but we, we never, we are never happy in literature, so and it's always possible to work more and more. Uh, but they have the the same fever dream uh, atmosphere, and that's um, a common um, that's common uh, that's a common thing in all the the Sebastopol stories, I think. And well, I I think the the, the story in New York and the New Yorker are um, is the is the same. It's I think we, 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 we didn't change. I mean, yeah, the, the third, it was, a, so I think the one in Granta is very similar to the second story in the beginning, yeah. but then the Granta one veers off pretty sharply um, to a different thing. And then it was the third one that was published in the New Yorker and Deborah Treisman edited that. And then I think everyone was sort of like, well, if it's good enough for Deborah, it's probably good enough <laughs> for everyone else. <laughs> so it didn't. I don't think that actually changed that much um, yeah. from the New Yorker to when it was published in the book. Okay, because um, yeah, I, I thought I'd ask because you you talked about a uh, New Yorker saying it was uh, too long and yeah, you had to make a, a few adjustments. Um, but the yeah, the draft of the second story, um, if I if I recall correctly, the um, the part where they're playing tennis and and it ends up in or it goes to Paris. 
that doesn't make um, Sebastopol the, uh, the book, does it? It's, um, it's very much focused uh, just outside Sao Paulo and um, the, the hotel and the story about the guy who goes missing and all of the ambiguity. And yeah. I thought, yeah, the, the obvious question for me was which one came first? And yeah, how, how did you how do you choose um, as, a, as an author to you know, make those creative decisions? So yeah, it had to be. I had to ask it. Um, I yeah. Um, I guess the other thing I wanted to obviously ask is um, Sevastopol as a title is uh, is an allusion to uh, Tolstoy's sketches. Um, how how did that influence you um, uh, as a writer, Emilio? How did uh, yeah? How did it inspire you, or how did it guide you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, the the book uh, the book uh, has three parts. Um, well, and 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 the book is um, um, there is the division uh, um, and it's d- divided by months uh, of the year: August, uh, December, and May, and. They allude to Tolstoy, uh, Sevastopol sketches, of which there are also there are three stories and three tales: Sevastopol in December, Sevastopol in May, and Sevastopol in August. Um, well, Tolstoy uh, has been in Sevastopol during Crimean War, and so. It is his first book. It's a kind of journalist uh, work. It's a kind of journalistic book about the war. Uh, but of course, he he's already he's already Tolstoy and the descriptions and their characters. Everything is brilliant in in in, in the book, and I very recommend this book because it's it's beautiful and well and. Tolstoy describes um, these three moments um, of the Crimean War and like the resistance in the first part, the siege in the second one, and the fall in the, ter- um, in the third one. And, and I tried to follow um, and the atmosphere and the steps uh, of these three moments in my book. And so, and, and, uh, why uh, and while the book, uh, my book, has absolutely um, nothing to do uh, with any historical work, and it's not about war, uh, not not even close. It's uh, contemporary stories. Uh, and there is an air of conflict, uh, and and I think this uh, this atmosphere of resistance and fall and a kind of melancholic uh, sadness and, um, well, and, and, and the last part with the, the paint, painter that is painting um, pictures of war, but pictures of um, soldiers resting and like soldiers, uh, like painting the war without the war. And well, um, I think um, that's why uh, 
that was my my what I tried to do with this book follow the steps of this another book but in a very weird way or and and well these stories aren't political and and on their surface but and they are very personal and intimate but I think uh, at the same time they are connected with a kind of political uh, feeling in Brazil, like um, these uh, years, and so and I think it's a kind of uh, book about uh, war, but without war. I, I don't know what, what Zoe think about it. No, I think that's I think that's definitely how I felt about it too. Um, there is this sort of atmosphere that runs through all three of them, where just this struggle and this mm. just sort of the, the characters are ill at ease with something, and they're but you're not exactly they're all fighting against something quite different, and a lot of times it's just themselves. But um, mm. yeah, there is no battle scene. There is no like traditional sort of build up to something in the story. Um, I remember when I first read the second one, the, the first one that I translated, um, from the first paragraph, I thought, oh, is this like a, is this gonna be like a murder mystery or something? <laughs> like he's draining yeah. the pool and like, oh, so they're yeah. gonna find this guy's body. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but I was like, okay, this is what this is gonna be about. And then I realized, oh, no, they never find the body and that's okay. Like it's, it makes it a very different story. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, it's sort of like the paintings at soldiers resting. There's no bodies. <laughs> but. Yeah. I, I felt like um, when I was reading Tolstoy, um, discussing uh, being behind uh, the lines and, um, you know, talking amongst the officers uh, about vanity and, um, who's who and, um, you know, uh, it, it always felt like um, it was about the emotion, about their standing and their experience of uh, being at the Bastion, but not um, not like a, a direct uh, depiction of uh, conflict and battle and war. But you you see it in in the um, the first story in Sebastopol with um, you know conquering Everest and um, the tensions between um, say Lena and uh, Gino um, and uh, the ex boyfriend, um, or you see it with uh, Klaus and uh, Nadia mm -hmm. uh, in the theatre scene, and then you've got the that lack of resolution as well with the yeah you with the draining of the pool and you're, yeah, you, you, you're reading it thinking, I know what this book's going to be about and yeah. it, it doesn't. And it, it, it darts around like, uh, uh creating a mood. And I, I felt yeah. like, yeah, that, that was the thing that you take away from this, um, this collection of stories, um, that it is, it's about creation of moods and each, uh, each story is written in those fragments, like a constellation of stars. And you just draw the lines, and you come out with your own uh, imagery. Is that is that your intention when you're writing, Emilio? Um, to as an author, to not not always have things resolved, to uh, allow the the reader to um, put the effort in to work to to construct uh, the experience. 
Yeah, and I I love the the way that Denise, my editor uh, in Lolly, uh, started to call uh, the book a novel in stories. Um, I I'm, I'm very happy with this, and well, um, I think each story of the book absolutely stands on its own. Uh, I want this. You can. Um, and they are elusive, they are uh, somber, they are a little bit spare, but and so but um, uh, but but there are subtle um, elements and atmospheres that travel through uh, the whole book. And well, um, at the same time, uh, each of uh, word each word in these stories they they could be connected by this kind of subtle links and and shared syntax and and that's it's very important the tone the syntax and the and the kind of imagery in in the in the book um, I, I worked uh, obsessively uh, with this, with um, like, they are different stories, uh, they are different words, but they have the same syntax, the same um, kind of image and, and well, um, as if beyond the voice narrating each of these stories, there were something um, subjective, something blurry and hovering over it all, uh, creating an effect. So um, there is an effect of difference uh, among these stories, uh, but also of uh, closeness and, well, a, a common tone. And for me, um, like uh, sometimes I thought, oh, I'm I'm very stupid because I have three books here. I I can I I I I, uh, I could um, write three books because I have uh, like um, complex characters and sometimes it's very difficult uh, if you are a writer to discover or to uh, uh, one story or characters and. And so it's a very tiny book with, uh, I, I think um, it's a book very compacted mm -hmm. with, uh, there, there is a lot of things uh, in, in, um, in, well, um, I think it's a book um, full of silence. Uh, like between the phrases, you can hear the, the, the silence and um, that's what I try to, to do with this book. And and this and this kind of atmosphere of dream, but also reality, and it's a very difficult tone for. It was very difficult to achieve this uh, this tone, and in stories very different, and with different characters, and so I think I, I don't know if I I'm rambling here, but and. <laughs> No, no. I think you're um, like uh, like one of the earlier passages in the first story. You're you're kind of unwrapping. Um, you I feel like you're revealing your craft and your intention as you as you talk. So, 
yeah, definitely not rambling, but um, I like the, um, you, you refer to uh, the stories as being spare and having space. Um, and when I think of spare, I think of uh, like Ernest Hemingway um, and those motifs um, or the, there's other influences on your writing, like uh, Roberto Bolaño, um, uh, Hemingway's obvious, um, like just touched on that, uh, and Rachel Cusk as well, um, with that kind of um, feeling of the, um, the the kind of first person. Um, you know, you, you're you're getting an idea of the individual, uh, the narrator, through uh, experience and interaction. Um, so I guess. Um, I wanted to ask more uh, about those uh, uh, those influences on you, um, like who you admire. Um, like Bolaño, obviously, would be geographically closer to you than Rachel Cusk or Ernest Hemingway. So um, I don't know where you wish to start. Do you want, do you wish to start with Bolaño and his uh, influence? I, I I, I think the second story uh, mainly has something of Bolaño and Rachel Cusk. Um, but I think for this book, um, I think Tolstoy and Chekhov, um, and well, but mainly um, this um, um, and books and authors uh, that seem to disrupt genre, I think. And this sort of fluid formats, um, books where um, um, we follow uh, along with dramas of characters, uh, the, the development of the plot, but at the same time, um, there is this feeling of something different. Um, it's happening in the air. So, like for example, any Carson books um, or or Mario Bellatin's books um, that I, I love Bellatin uh, and and there is a Korean um, um, director uh, uh, film director um, called. Uh, Han Sung Sang, um, uh, Hong Sang Su, in fact, and I, I love it, him. I think uh, his work is, uh, I really like the, the films um, um, by this Korean filmmaker, and I think he is a huge influence here. And 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 besides the the, the other writers, so. And I'm very interested on this kind of weird formats. And, but at the same time, I want to tell a story. That's uh, the difficult thing because I, I don't want to write, um, um, I don't know, um, a very postmodern uh, uh, thing. I want to, you, you have to, uh, um, to read and and follow the steps of the characters and but at the same time we are in 2021 and like we we, we don't read books as we use it to to read so um, for me it's very important to uh, to try to, um, to dialogue with this kind of uh, of, of Thing, but uh, try not 
um, to um, try not to destroy the pleasure of um, listening to the the story or the the plot or the the drama, and it's very difficult to 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 do both. Um, I don't know if Zoe wants to add something. What's your feeling when? Uh, no, I, something I was thinking about saying though is that you said earlier that you're very obsessive, and I feel like you've shown that today. <laughs> you are very obsessive because I think translators, sort of by nature, tend to be quite obsessive as well. Um, and so, really, the best kinds of authors to translate are ones who are obsessive. Um, because when you're translating an author who, you know that every word is there because it's meant to be there. And that's, it was supposed to be there and thought was put into it. Um, I just can't say enough how much that makes a translator's job easier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, yeah, I, I was gonna say, uh, as a reader, um, you can definitely tell um, that Emilio is, really really focused on on the craft you know those those sentences are are considered are almost pitch perfect and um the translation as well is kind of reads really cleanly um and is yeah testament to um your work sorry um when you're when you're translating the work are you are you thinking of um similarities between authors or you know are, are you looking at tolstoy are you looking at Chekhov um, when you were working on this? Do you have that? Uh, yeah, I did actually read the, I hadn't read the Sevastopol sketches before translating this. Um, I do sort of always put together sort of like a media playlist of sorts. Like when I translate a book, there's always music that I listened to while I was translating it. There are books that I sort of read around. Um, just all sorts of films that I've watched. Um, and a lot of times I'll just ask the author, what were you listening to when you wrote this book? Or what were you reading? Or what were you watching? Um, so I don't, I don't think I read any Bologna. I'd read Bologna before, but I hadn't read any Bologna when I was doing this. Um, I love Rachel Cusk, um, very big fan. Um, yeah, I think a lot of translators do that though. Just sort of, you, you're building up an atmosphere Okay. Yeah, because yeah, um, I, I recently spoke with, uh, with an author who refused to, uh, refuses to read fiction whilst they're writing fiction. So I was wondering if, yeah, um, when you're in the process of translating, do you engage with those influences or do you um, shut them out? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's not about trying to kind of create a space uh, for the purity of uh, presenting Emilio's work in, in a different language. No, actually, I don't know if it ever occurred to me to do that. Um, I sort of feel like the more input, the better. <laughs> well, yeah, that's great. yeah I, I guess uh, it kind of feeds feeds the energy. Um, yeah. And um, one one thing that I, I mean, we were talking about moods and tensions. Um, Emilio, in your um, stories, there, there's a tension between. Um, male and female, whether it's the narrator or um, a central character. Um, how, how obsessed are you with, with these tensions and, um, and those little fragments uh, of backstory um, when you're writing? Yeah, each of the um, 
of these stories in the book has two main characters. And I think um, all the tension of these stories are constructed uh, between this two, like despair of characters, like in the first one, uh, Lena and Gino, and the second one, Nilo and Adam, and the third one, uh, Nadia, and uh, and Klaus, that is the, the old uh, um, theater director. And well, and I, I think Nadia maybe is my favorite uh, character of the book. And well, and she's helping this this director and in, well write his his play. And while she's trying to write her own story, and well, I don't know. Um, I think um, the um, this is a very important thing for the book. This. Uh, the, the conflicts and the tension between the the, the the these characters and and there are two women narrators in the book and I think there is a tension between like the 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 male gaze uh, and this um, and these um, characters these uh, women. Um, and I was very interested in this because, well, uh, this kind of discussion about um, I'm a, um, a male author um, writing as um, with um, women narrators, but I think the the, the whole the whole of um, the, the the men characters are very important because there is a tension that uh, I don't know I'm I'm very interested in this specifically. Yeah, and it, it takes different forms uh, in in each story. Yeah. Um, so I, I I really love Nadia uh, as a character as well because. Um, yeah, she's she's working with Klaus whilst working on her own stuff, but then you've managed to drop in those um, kind of anecdotes from her father that she's almost dismissive of. Uh, that any any young child is. I I know I am. I yeah. and um, I've got years on Nadia, and I'm still kind of sneering at stuff that my parents have taught me. Um, and I, I I like how. I, I really enjoyed how you explored the, this idea of tension as an abstract, um, but with um, different guises. Um, so whether it was romantic or whether it was a uh, youth versus kind of wisdom, um, was that like a sh uh, an intention, a strategy for you to um, when you when you're plotting out these stories that this is this is the idea that I want to explore. Um, and I guess uh, naturally, uh, the next question would be, um, what do you intend to explore next um, in your next work? You know, uh, that we we hope in a few years will be available uh, in in English. Yeah, I, I don't know, Lloyd. <laughs> really, <laughs> and, and and my my, my books um, they are so different um, between them. I, I really don't know what I 
what I will do or I will write. I'm, I'm trying to uh, write um, um, a kind of short story about my uh, w when I was young with uh, my uh, my relation with music that it's uh, terrible um, I, I was a terrible uh, um, I, I had a keyboard and I had a guitar and so I studied uh, a lot but I was terrible and it's very uh, for me I'm I'm trying to 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 write something uh, about this about this experience uh, like buy mag uh, music magazines and try to uh, to um, to play and fail and fail and I don't know maybe um, um, maybe I, I will um, write a short story I, I don't know uh, it, it kind of um, just that story of you and your relationship to music um, I, I think. Uh, it, it reminds me of something I think you alluded to in the uh, interview um, that you did with The New Yorker um, based on uh, the short story they uh, um, showcased and you were talking about when life doesn't live to your ideals. Um, yeah. Yeah, and so do you feel like that is actually the fundamental underpinning of your, your writing? Of just, yeah. right, I, I fell short there. I need to, I need to explore it. There is an author that explores very well this kind of uh, sensation or feeling uh, that is Juan Carlos Zonetti, the Uruguayan writer, and I, I, I love him and, and I don't know, maybe uh, he is another uh, huge influence in Sevastopol and well, and well. And, and yeah. um, how how did he how did he influence uh, Sevastopol? Was it just his kind of tone and mood, or was yeah. it more direct? Yeah, I think his tone, his syntax, and his uh, way of um, uh, this kind of a, a, um, a dreamy uh, thing, um, not very linear. Um, stories um he's a master of this i i think and sometimes we uh we we talk so um um we talk a lot about borges uh, and cortazar but i think onetti is the 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 best um, latin american writer from the the 20th century but it's my favorite and i think and he because he he's and he's very um, he's not um, like um, an author that was um, writing about the Latin America or um, and he was not um, working in a, in a uh, like in a, in a novel that explains the the continent or something like that and in, he he was uh, quiet, only um, working in w weird weird stories, and they are very strong. And I think he he's very very nice. Cool. Um, well, that that's a great recommendation, and a Nobel Prize laureate is, uh, at that as well. Um, I, I one one uh, one thing that. Um, 
was written about by Granter in the um, best of uh, Brazilian uh, writers that you were uh, selected, um, which is an amazing accolade. So congratulations. Um, they, they said that your generation of writers do not uh, write um, directly about political situations. And you kind of alluded to it with Canetti there. Um, saying that he's not writing about South America um, in a very kind of insular way. Um, what is it about your generation of Brazilian writers? Um, why, why are they not writing so directly about the political? Um, or how do you see your, your generation? Yeah, I, I think they are writing about political uh, nowadays. Um, but we are, uh, I think my generation was the first that um, started to publish abroad and, and like very often. Um, and we, um, and, and there is a interesting thing, uh, we uh, we are the, the the first generation that read a lot of uh, good translations. I think um, we were the the first generation. Like um, and and in the seventies in Brazil, you you couldn't uh, read like a good Kafka's translation or um, Tolstoy, and so. Um, in the 80s and 90s, um, and we started to, I don't know, um, we started to read this kind of authors in good translations and it um, changes everything, I think. So, and, but it's, it's true. I think uh, Granta is a good example. I think my generation is more open for um, writing about political uh, situation. Yes, we are. In fact, um, well, uh, there, um, there is um, the scene in Brazil is very uh, rich and we have all kind of writers, I think. And I'm, I'm very interested in, in, in politics and, and, but I, I'm not interested in um, write uh, books uh, with um, uh, plots or very um, directly uh, connected because you can uh, find this everywhere. So, uh, I think the the fiction uh, has to work in another place, uh, and, and and it it um, it's um, it's always connected with the reality, or uh, but in 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 another way, you know, and and it's not the the the, the same way of the journalism, or and and. That's why it's so difficult. Um, um, well, uh, find your subjects in fiction or find your uh, tone of voice because uh, it's not a mirror of the reality. You you can you can make a commentary um, um, on the reality, not to be a mirror, uh, but well, to to look at it from an angle. 
um, but through you know, rather than directly tackling it. Yeah. Yeah, no, that sounds great. Um, yeah, thank you, because that, that was something I, I wanted to really ask. Um, I guess at this point, I would like to invite anyone in the audience to ask a question um, uh, that may have stemmed from tonight's discussion or anything more kind of general. Um, but if, uh, yeah, if, if there's no questions, then I guess we could always uh, wrap it up. Um, anyone? Uh, feel free to type in the chat if you don't wish to unmute yourself. I have, I have a question um, yeah. to Zoe. Yeah. How, how, um, how, how many Brazilian authors um, you translated? Um, do, do you know? Because uh, I've done a lot of um, just sort of small one-off kinds of things. I do a lot of samples um, that go nowhere. So this is great. <laughs> um, I do a lot of samples that go nowhere. I do a lot of, I mean, as far as like published authors, um, I translated Sergio Rodriguez, uh, Rodrigo de Sousa de Leon. I translated two Paulo Coelho books. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, Which one, Zoe? Uh, so the first one I did was Adultery, and then the second one was The Spy. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's kind of a long... And then, of course, there's authors like Veronica Stigger, who I have been translating for forever, it feels like. And got, she's won all these prizes. I got this grant, and we still can't find a publisher. Um, so, she's great. Yeah, she's awesome. She's awesome, yeah. yeah. I, I like I like I like her. I like, yeah. I like her. <laughs> I've got um, a question uh, from Rosie uh, for you, Emilio. Um, do you think working in publishing affects the way you write? Um, does the work you publish inform you as much as these older writers like Tolstoy? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, it affects because uh, um, because I don't have uh, too much time to writing, and the 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 rhythm in the publishing house is very uh, I don't know, and but I'm but um, but um, I'm not afraid of um, the um, influences um, of other. Because I think it's impossible to avoid this, and we are all the time reading and thinking about books, and so um, I think it's it's not it's not a problem at all for me reading, and but the problem is the the, the time, the and um, I don't know the lack the lack of time to writing or to and to to do my work, um, but I, I think uh, the, the experience uh, as a publisher is a very good experience. Um, and my my first book, I I wrote a book with uh, a friend of mine, uh, like a, um, a collaboration novel, and and it was a great experience because we had like a kind of editor and all the time and like um and 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 the the and the work 
as an editor is, um, I think it's good for the writing. Uh, you can, I don't know. Um, of course, you you have to open space for the imagination and to to uh, to to get wrong. To but I think the editor. Um, the editor's skills are good to, to, I don't know, that, that's the way that I do. And, and well, I, I like, I like, I like, ed, um, I like editing and I like writing. I, well, sounds like you've got it made for you, Amelia. Um, I've, I've got potentially another question coming through. Um, Oh, uh, from Rona. Um, feel free to ask. Uh, um, just hello to Emilio and Zoe. You guys came to Katrina Dodson's class. I was one of her students. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I do have a question, but I just want to say I'm so excited about this book. Um, I ordered it through Lolly. Um, but I, I wanted to ask a translation question um, for both of you, which is, you know, Emilio, since you're living um, and like, I was wondering, and, and now hearing this talk, um, hearing you talk about like how specific you are and, and the silences in these stories, um, and you're thinking about, uh, the styles of Chekhov and Tolstoy and those influences. Was that a discussion you had with Zoe before Zoe started to translate or was it like Zoe go and then let's talk after? I will let you take that one. Yeah, so. I think um, usually what happens is I will just go ahead and start, but then I will come up with a list of questions along the way. And sometimes those are specific questions like, what does this mean? Or why did you use this? Um, but then other times it'll be... A, not such a surface level question will be a little bit deeper about what what was the intention of using this instead of this um and actually i remember when i first sent questions to emilio i was telling about i always feel like i'm a huge party pooper when i um send questions to an author because it's like you've written this very beautiful piece of writing and it's intended to be not unclear <laughs> and I, but for me to translate it i really need it to be clear so that I can then make it unclear in English. Um, so I feel like I always end up stripping away all the sort of beauty in the text, <laughs> but it's just because I want to, you know, do a good job, so. <laughs> thank you for listening to this discussion. I wish to thank Emilio and Zoe for sharing their time and creative insights. Visit our website, liberia.io, for news of future events and book recommendations.